you're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it that way. You're listening to A Real Piece of Work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals, brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Now here's your hosts, Matt and Joy. Hey Joy, how you doing today? I am fabulous, Matt, how are you today? You know, I'm pretty good, and I'm uh, rather excited uh, for this guest today because it just it struck me as I was doing a little homework, getting ready for the podcast, that my grandfather, my father, my sister, all have played professionally in their careers in the IT space. Uh, again, I so I feel like I ought to know a little bit more about this topic, but I'd look anybody in the eye and say I'm a little bit of a novice at best, and for that matter. Uh, the number of times I drive by a retail restaurant that this client represents, this guest of ours represents, and been totally amazed at the number of cars sitting in the drive-thru, I'm just fascinated to see how he impacts and influences um, this organization that just literally has such a phenomenal following. So uh, I'm pretty excited for that. I don't know, any perspective on what we're about to walk in here, Joy? Yeah, well, along those lines, you uh, saying preparing, you know, I pulled up my calendar this week and looking this morning and it prompted me to want to go to this restaurant today. But because the lines are sometimes always long and I didn't have the time allotment today uh, because I had my son researching a little bit as well. So I'll let you introduce and dig right into it and then we can reveal a little bit more of the excitement around it, not to mention my hunger pains in my stomach right now. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, today we have Davis Addy, who by title says Director Supply Chain Operations Technology with Chick-fil-A. So Davis, welcome to A Real Piece of Work, the job podcast for young people. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk with you all. That is great. Well, I I really appreciate you joining us. Um, We're really excited to hear what your path has been, where you're at today. The audience now has heard the name, the title. What does that mean? What do you do? Yeah, great question. So um, ultimately, it is in the IT field, as you were uh, uh, mentioning. Um, So I lead a technology team that is really responsible for supporting the supply chain operations of a lot of our Chick-fil-A's really across the really North America. I can say that now because we now have Chick-fil-A's in Canada. Uh, We have a few that were opened up in uh, Puerto Rico recently this year, and we have a couple that will be opening up in Hawaii this year as well. So it is it is truly a, a North American adventure. So um, we support uh, how our distribution partners and our suppliers uh, interact with our restaurants in terms of moving uh, food and paper products to the many restaurants that hopefully many of your listeners and like yourselves have visited. And because we have such um, high uh, customer demand, which we're very thankful for, we move a lot of product. We have a lot of shipments that hit our restaurants. The typically three or four times more than some of our competitor, competitors. So technology is a key player in helping do that. And my team's involved in a lot of that work. So in that vein, did you, uh, what, what's your educational background that prepared you for this? And did you leave that educational experience saying, I want to do this for Chick-fil-A? Yeah, not at all. Completely did not have this uh, career path in mind, which as you'll hear about my background, it's kind of ping pong, but that's been kind of the fun. So my, I started, uh, when I was in high school, I knew actually that I wanted to 
uh, work with computers. I actually built computers for fun, um, just put them together. So nothing, you know, overly complicated, I would say, but you could order the parts and kind of put the pieces together. So I always had a fascination with technology and I enjoyed doing that. I built computers for friends and family. And um, I knew that that was something that I wanted to do once I got into college. I didn't know exactly which degree would be best suited to do that, but I just knew technology was something that interests me. And so I actually uh, went into college and, and focused on a degree with computer engineering, uh, which is a mix of electrical engineering and computer science. It's like the degrees kind of split between the two. And of course, the computer science side of that, it, it's all you know programming and coding and many different languages. And then on the electrical engineering side, uh, it's really complicated with a ton and ton of math, uh, uh, way more math than, than I really wanted to sign up for. Um, but through that experience in college, of course, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, um, I really got to understand, okay, like, okay, well, technology is a pretty broad topic. What specifically in technology do I like? And I, I realized that I liked the technology and the business side of things. It wasn't so much like building microprocessors or doing things like that, but I liked this idea that uh, how did technology enable businesses to kind of do their work? Um, which eventually led into some internships that we'll talk about. So yeah, that's kind of how my my fascination with technology started. And then through a long career path, um, ultimately ended up at Chick-fil-A many years later, which again, we'll, we'll get into. I'm, I'm, I'm a little fascinated by the fact, again, technology, building computers, computer science, electrical engineering, but you're in the food, fast food service industry. Uh, has that been an evolution in your industry that's been taking place in recent years? Well, I would put it this way. Um, you know, technology, uh, it's such a broad discipline. There are so many different types of, uh, uh, I guess you could say, technology roles you can focus on. Um, cybersecurity is one of those that's really popular, right? So you can theory, we have cybersecurity at Chick-fil-A, just like Microsoft would or the Home Depot. Um, for me, um, I always have always had this business bent to me. I, like, I've always been, I feel like I've been an inter, entrepreneur at heart, but I've never really had the courage to really totally go out on the limb. So I've always had this kind of business itch that I like to scratch. And, um, but I knew technology was something I wanted to do as well. But once I, when I was in college getting close to finishing, um, I was able to get an internship actually with GE. So this will, I'll talk a little bit about my journey towards Chick-fil-A and unfortunately, when I was in college and high school, I never worked at a Chick-fil-A. Had I known what I, where I'd be now, I would have invested much more time as a, <laughs> as a team member. Um, but, you know, you never know where your career is going to take you. But I actually started interning with GE in college, General Electric, which uh, uh, very big, you know, multinational, uh, international company. And um, that's really where I started to understand, like, OK, so technology, like, is the core driver of how these businesses operate, especially internationally. And I started to get a better sense of like, what does it mean for to have these really big enterprise software systems that run, you know, billion dollar businesses and and how do those systems get put together? How do you how do you roll them out? How do how do people use them? How do you support them? Um, which would now if you were in college, you would say that's much more closer to like a management information systems or an MIS degree. That's kind of what that degree really focuses on is how business and technology kind of merge together. So probably looking back, had I kind of known what I know now, I probably would have gotten more towards that degree. But the computer engineering degree was was challenging. So it, it really pushed me in ways um, from a learning standpoint that I had never really been pushed in high school, you know, doing the electrical engineering work and then doing the computer science. So it 
it's sometimes in life when you when you're pushed and challenged, you figure out, okay, I think I can do this, but I know I don't want to do this forever. And that's kind of how the computer engineering degree was for me. There were some things that I really liked and it allowed me always ultimately to get an internship, which really started my career. But it definitely established that, okay, I definitely don't want to build computers or program microprocessors for the rest of my life. Like it's it's fun. It's a little bit fascinating. It's very hard, but I couldn't do this for, for 20 plus years. There was a social aspect of the business piece that I really wanted to, to get into. So kind of fast forward a little bit into where I was going with GE. So I did many internships with them in college, and that led to um, a leadership program that many companies like GE offer. So when you come out of college, they offer what these, they're basically called entry-level leadership programs. Typically they're um, one to two years. The one that I did at GE was two years. And you actually do, you're a full-time employee, you're getting paid, uh, you have full-time benefits, but you are rotating through different jobs in GE. Uh, and the one I joined was the technology uh, entry-level leadership program. So I got to do different technology business-oriented roles in those first two years. I actually did four total. So every six months I would rotate to a new business. And again, this kind of started a theme that if um, if someone was looking at my LinkedIn profile, they'd see I'd like change jobs basically kind of every 18 months. I got into this habit and almost wired in a way to do different jobs kind of in my field, um, but really get a feel for what do I like because technology was so broad. So one rotation, I would work on a big, uh, what we call ERP system, which is a stands for Inter enterprise resource planning. So this is these are the big tools that have the accounts payable, uh, accounts receivable. If you're a manufacturing company, you'll have manufacturing modules. So these, these systems run your business. Uh, if they are down, your business is down. Uh, potentially. So I got to experience what it was like to to roll those systems out to different GE businesses around the world. Um, I got to work on networking. So, you know, how do we connect physical buildings, devices, uh, machinery to the internet, routers, uh, all kinds of different cool things there. Uh, I did, did a little time with cybersecurity, as I mentioned before. So what does it mean to actually do? So I'm, I'm, I was able to experience uh, rapidly a lot of different roles in that two-year period. And again, it gave me another opportunity similar to in college where I was like, okay, what is it, which one of these do I really like? Which one do I see myself continuing to focus on? Was it cybersecurity? Was it networking? And ultimately, I continued to lead towards this idea of how business software applied at the business level really became um, something I wanted to pursue. Uh, so to kind of round out that experience in GE, I uh, spent uh, four or five years after that leadership program really focusing on big enterprise systems, so ERP systems, rolling those out. I uh, got to travel uh, around the world, uh, Europe, Asia, spent four or five weeks in Shanghai, China. So really got to experience some things that uh, as, a, as a young man from the panhandle of Florida, Pensacola, Florida, who had never really traveled outside of the country, more or less the southeast, um, really cool experiences that went along with my work. And of course the company paid for, um, but that allowed me honestly to establish a, some competencies in, in enterprise software, but really understand how big businesses work, how the different functions and departments of a business work, how they interact with each other, um, how they lean on technology more so than others. And uh, that's a cool thing about being really in a business technology role is that to be good at your job, it can't just be about the zeros and ones. You actually have to really understand what your business users, uh, what their day in the life is, how they use the software that you're supporting, 
are rolling out. So you become pretty well-rounded and as, a, as just a general business slash technologist, um, you understand what products would be in main things like that. So speaking of day in the life, as our listeners are listening in similar to me, and I have probably about 10 questions jetted down from all of that amazing information I'll go back to, but day in the life for these kids that are listening in right now, uh, for your role right now, what does that look like from start to finish um, for the kids so they understand the actual role itself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, fast forward to, to 2016, I got an opportunity to, to join Chick-fil-A um, and through that, using that same experience at GE, um, I was asked to uh, uh, take on some, some basically same technology roles, but just in a QSR. So those merged into over time now where I'm at with supporting our supply chain, which is honestly very similar to supporting some of the software stuff we did with GE. But basically a day in a life for us is we have a number of systems that operationally run um, how our restaurants get food and paper products delivered uh, to them as they're working through their inventory via just normal customer demand, right? So as you as a customer, a listener comes in, orders a number one with a lemonade, uh, compound that, you know, 50, 60, 100 times that day, they're going through inventory at that restaurant. Uh, we have, of course, product that sits in the restaurant, but we don't actually have a ton of space because we we cook so much product because we have such customer demand. Um, that means we have to order a lot. So a lot of the systems that my team supports um, allow our restaurants to go in and order the product uh, that they need based on how they're um, going through their inventory. And we even have some cool technology that will look at the orders throughout the day and even do some suggested ordering. It'll say, hey, uh, this is what your inventory was when you started today. Based on all of your sales today, we think you need to order these sort of products. They can, of course, tweak those and edit those, but we're trying to make it really easy for them because these are restaurant uh, folks who their their core competency is cooking great, safe uh, food and um, caring for our customers. They're not supply chain specialists. They're not inventory experts. So anything we can do, our technology do, can make that ordering process and fulfillment process easy. That's really what we focus on. So that's a core chunk of it. And uh, we have thousands of orders that get placed every day. I'm looking at a screen right now with all of the orders that are just being placed all throughout the country as we speak. Um, so we monitor that and make sure that that's continuing to, to happen because if that goes down and, and restaurants can't order because we go through so much product, that could potentially limit what they could sell the next day or even maybe even shut down the restaurant and just don't have that product. And that's obviously something uh, we don't want to do. Crazy. It's never anything I think of when I go through the line at Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, my son and I were just talking about this morning as we were researching Chick-fil-A. You know, we go there and all we think is we want some of the amazing chicken. <laughs> I don't think about the analytics. I don't think about the other piece of it, right? And so you're doing your job well if I can go get my good service and I have the quality product that I'm looking for. But it's just amazing to me all of that that goes behind. So thank you for sharing that with the kids and, and with me. Yeah, that's the goal. Ultimately, you know, we, we kind of joke that using like a football analogy, um, the, the, the offensive line, the left tackle position, it's a, it's a very coveted position in football. Um, they're very highly paid. And typically it's one of those situations where you don't really want your name called because if you're, if you're a left tackle and your name's popping up in the broadcast, it's because you've missed an assignment and the quarterback just got sacked. And that's kind of what a lot of the systems that our team support, like we, when they're running and they're running smoothly, you, like you said, Joy, you're not really thinking about like, oh, I wonder how Chick-fil-A does supply chain because you're, you're focused on just moving through that 
uh, drive-through line as fast as possible. And that's exactly how we want our restaurants to think too. We really don't want them to think about supply chain. We just want them to know that uh, when they place an order, their food's going to show up the next day so they can continue to serve our customers and cook great and safe food. So Davis, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, you've moved up the food chain, literal literal food chain there at Chick-fil-A. And uh, sorry, that was a bad pun, but um, you have teams, I'm assuming, that work with you, maybe people who report to you. What, what types of... Uh, soft skills and uh, other types of skills you're looking for from people that might potentially work with you and on your team? Yeah, great question. So a big part of what we do is the senses that I mentioned are built in partnership with actual business peers in our supply chain department. So we alone can't just say, hey, we're going to build this ordering system um, in, in our technology department and vice versa, our business peers in our supply chain department can't just say, well, we want an ordering system, um, but they don't have the competencies to build it. So there is a partnership there. And this is very common in my experience at GE and really in most companies that you're going to have probably some sort of a dedicated technology department that has to interface with another set of business leaders or users to uh, deliver some outcome. So the folks on my team um, that is really kind of their sweet spot where they understand technology. Um, they understand what it means to implement, support that technology, but they have to lean in and work with their business partners who may not be well-versed in, in what it means to, to implement and support a system. And so there's a, a merging, if you will, of a supply chain expert, a technology expert, those two folks coming together. And I kind of mentioned this earlier in, in the podcast that Part of what makes uh, my role so much fun is that, and even I would say my team would agree, is that because it's not just zeros and ones all day, like our team really has to understand how Chick-fil-A supply chain works. If we don't understand that, it will be hard for us to support and implement new supply chain systems. So in many ways, we are supply chain experts who just happen to be really good at technology as well. Um, I have been on teams and in, in previously, not necessarily at Chick-fil-A, but definitely my time at GE where... Um, you'll have IT folks who are just like, hey, I just, all I do is software. Like, I don't really want to think about the business. And that's one way to look at a role, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful and vice versa. When a business person says like, hey, I don't do IT, I only do this. Again, that is one approach to, at, to do it. But when both sides are kind of like, hey, let's, it's okay, let's blend a little bit here. You understand how the technology works. I understand how the supply chain works. Um, you're ultimately going to deliver a better business outcome in that sense. So along the lines of all of these jobs that you're speaking of, this came up in conversation again. So my son is is 12. He's entering almost 13, entering eighth grade here at, at Pleasant View Elementary, or not elementary anymore, sorry, junior high. Gosh, where am I? Where are the years go? Um, junior high. And so he's kind of in that age where he's listening in on these podcasts. And as we got talking, Chick-fil-A is his go-to restaurant. I'm not saying that because we're on live with you, but when it's his birthday, when we ask where do you want to go, first place is always there. So I uh, thought thought fitting for him to ask this question. But the thing he was curious about, again, we both said never think about IT or all the jobs that surround uh, what goes behind Chick-fil-A and the chicken sandwich. But he's like, I wonder what other cool jobs there are at Chick-fil-A. And just, you know, along those same lines, you said you interact with everyone, but are there a couple top fun jobs at Chick-fil-A besides being, you know, behind the counter and smiling and getting the the customer service piece in, um, but similar to your role? Absolutely. So the the way we think about um, and Chick-fil-A does a little bit differently from what we would say are other QSR quick serve restaurants. But 
we have our, our what we call our support center, and that's a traditional corporate location. And that's where you're going to have a lot of the roles that like my team does, your traditional kind of business department. So marketing, supply chain, we have a field operations department. And those are folks who actually travel all across the U.S. and visit restaurants, work, uh, visit with the operators who own those restaurants, meet with their leaders, consult on food safety, food quality, business metrics. So you've got this kind of corporate side of it. But then for, for younger folks who are in high school or even in college, then there's the actual roles at the restaurant. And these restaurants are individually owned by um, an operator, uh, traditionally what someone would call a franchisee. And there are lots of different roles uh, at our restaurants. Of course, we break them up in front of house. So those are going to be folks that are directly interacting with customers, whether that's taking an order, um, doing things around the restaurant, getting refills. And, and then there's a back of house role, which is uh, cooking, preparing food. There are folks that, that do a lot of what that use our systems in terms of managing the actual inventory at the restaurant, making sure foods are being delivered. Catering has become a huge thing now. So a lot of restaurants are now starting to deploy their own uh, driver services. And so instead of using like uh, a DoorDash, you can you can use Chick-fil-A delivery, uh, which is great, by the way. Give it a little bit of a plug for those restaurants that are utilizing it. So I better and I'm going to go check right now on the website to see if I because if I could order this right now yes. and it could be delivered to my doorstep, you have just. <laughs> I'm sending you a bonus check. It's, it's great. We, of course, we do use our third party partners as well, but. There's a lot of different things you can do. And and kind of going back to the comment I made before, it, it's interesting when I, I had many opportunities actually to work at a Chick-fil-A as a teenager and as a young college student. And I passed them up because, um, you know, I was doing computer engineering. I'm like, well, why would I go work at a fast food restaurant? Um, it just didn't make sense. I had a lot of friends that worked there. And of course, um, as I got involved in Chick-fil-A, you know, most recently in my career, I just realized how complicated these restaurants are. I mean, as, as y'all mentioned as customers, the restaurants are very complicated at Chick-fil-A. And um, since I've now worked there, it, we have a lot of uh, our team leaders, our the teenagers that work there, um, they really understand like, okay, wow, this is what it looks like to kind of run a high performance business. We have this term kind of high performance teams. And a lot of Chick-fil-A businesses operate in that mindset. They're trying to build a high performance team and, you know, go go work in our our kitchen during our, our lunch rush hour. And it's chaotic. It's crazy. Um, and most of the staff that are back there are 16 to 19 to 20 years old. And they are running these restaurants like a, Nash, a Nash, uh, NASCAR pit stop. It's incredible. And um, so as a as a young person who's thinking about roles that can really challenge them or or a a business that's really demanding where you can get that experience really quickly and start to and to build that knowledge. Chick-fil-A and any sort of those sort of restaurants are a great opportunity. And I, I kick myself that I did not um, take that opportunity back then. Of course, you never really know where your career is going to take you, but it would have been a great experience back then. And it still is now. So uh, that that's, that's a, I love hearing that background. It, I wanted to maybe give the audience a little bit of a sense Technology, Chick-fil-A, working more at the corporate level, whether I'm a new hire or somebody that maybe has got a little experience under my belt. Let's go there, Davis. What kind of money can I make? Can I can I make a decent living? Yes. I would say if you are interested in technology as a career, um, it is so high in demand right now. It's high in demand at Chick-fil-A. 
it's high in demand everywhere. So um, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and we have a number of businesses, Google, Microsoft, that are continuing to kind of pop up and Amazon throw in there to kind of establish a base um, because they need so much technology support. So you think about Silicon Valley and some of these, you know, New York, California, um, they still need more people. So they're popping up in other areas that one would maybe not consider as, as a t- big technology hub. So it is a huge, hot, uh, in-demand um, profession. And again, technology is so broad. Uh, you can do different things in technology. There, there are a lot of different technology sort of roles that you can do. The roles that, that I've kind of pursued and the ones that we've talked about in this podcast are really going to be your more kind of, you'll see them as called like business analysts or systems analyst type roles. Again, those are very generic in nature because um, you're, you're working with technology, but, but the technology you're supporting could change over time. So like an example in my career, uh, you know, I'm supporting supply chain right now. I've supported food safety technology at Chick-fil-A. Prior to Chick-fil-A, I was supporting uh, technology for you know, distribution centers, manufacturing facilities. So although the uh, where the technology was running and what it was doing was different, it was still technology. It was still rolling technology out, supporting technology, upgrading technology. That pattern always stayed the same. Uh, it was just what that technology was doing would change over time based on how my career would evolve. So as you build that experience as a systems analyst or business analyst, not only are you going to make great money and have a very competitive compensation, um, that is very translatable. So even as you change companies, you still have a set of experiences that can carry over, even if it's uh, very different. And my background is a great example of that, you know, GE and Chick-fil-A are completely opposite businesses. One is a huge uh, publicly traded multi-international power company. And the other one is a mostly in North America uh, QSR company that's private and family owned. But still, my experience at GE gave me all the uh, confidence uh, and abilities I needed to be successful at Chick-fil-A, uh, which I have been because of that experience. Davis, you seem everything that you've talked about from the beginning of your journey, even back to high school, when you said you knew that you wanted to do something that was computer IT related, um, very self-driven. You've kind of known what you've wanted, but I'm always curious to know what else or who else rather has inspired you or motivated you along the way. Have you had any mentors, any people um, that that really helped you kind of pave that path a little bit to a certain degree or get you to where you're at? And I ask just because I think, you know, the kids that are listening in, it's important to to kind of gravitate to the people that inspire you and motivate you and, and help you think, you know, beyond the, the picture that you have in your head? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think, uh, so I never really had anybody that was a role model in terms of like, oh, I like what they're doing. I'm going to go try that. But what I would say is um, my parents were never pushy in terms of like, you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer. They were definitely like, hey, what's your passion? And what we want to do is give you some space to figure that out and support. And so I was very thankful and blessed that through college, even though I did work and got internships, um, my parents um, provided a means to allow me to focus on school to where I didn't have to work full time and, and have make a choice. So they were able to provide me with some funding that would allow me to, uh, you know, make sure I was feeding myself and had a place to live and sleep so that I could study, but also find time for work. And they provided that support. Um, 
that was huge, right? Because I had a lot of friends who had to work a lot during school um, that made school um, challenging for them because they were working a job that didn't necessarily scratch that itch of maybe a career profession, but it would what it would what would help them pay the bills to get through school. And so I was lucky enough where um, I had the support of my parents where I could find a, a job during college that would be more closely aligned to where I thought I was going to go. Because ultimately, um, internships are just so important in this space right now. Um, I'm a huge proponent because not only do you get paid to do them and you get paid pretty well, um, companies roll the red carpet out for you. You know, they they want to pull you into their culture because they're trying to hire the up, up and coming, you know, bright young stars that are coming through the industry. And so you really get a chance. It's all, it's like dating. You can kind of date this company and kind of see how it is. Is the culture right? Is, are, are the people, uh, you know, what you think they are? Do, do the values of that company match what you're doing? Do you like some of the work that they're doing? Um, internships are just such a great way during that time to find a role that matches, sort of matches at least in the zip code of what you're trying to do and give you some opportunity to fill that out. Um, because once you start your career, you ultimately do want to pick and have some sort of a direction, even if it's not a specific thing, you at least want to say, okay, I know I want technology. So let me kind of face that way and start doing technology roles. And then, you know, maybe specialize as I get, as I get deeper or broad, but you definitely don't want to jump around too much once you're in your career, because it, it, it could, uh, slow you down a little bit or just make it tough because you might not, um, you might join companies that, you joined for the wrong reasons. Maybe you thought you had, you liked, that's what you wanted to do. You got in there and then it's not something you like to do. And it's a little bit harder to switch companies like it is to switch degrees. So. Have you ever considered being a motivational speaker, Davis? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I hope that the, the true test is I have two girls, a five and a nine year old, and I hope to instill some of this into them. And if they turn out well and do uh, hopefully the right things. And, and again, they also feel like they have the space to figure out what they want to do and, and the support. And that actually ends up being true. Then, then I'll say, okay, well maybe this, this was a good strategy that worked out, but one thing's for sure. Everybody's different, right? Uh, Y'all probably could talk about your own career paths and and maybe how they verge, you know, went left or right. Um, I feel lucky and blessed that I at least knew in high school that technology was something I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly how I wanted to do it, but I just knew that that was something that was interesting to me. And I was like, I think this is also going to be important for businesses. Like, I feel like there's probably some job security if I'm, if I'm in this space. Um, there are people who, you know, throughout their life uh, don't know necessarily know what that is. I would say that I enjoy my job. Technology is not my passion. Uh, you know, family and hobbies are. But, technolo- but my career, just like our careers, help pay for me to enjoy my life in other ways beyond my role. So um, I like what I do, but it, it is, you know, uh, and at the end of the day, it means to the end, right? So, well, uh, I'm going to wrap this up at this point um, and throw a question back to you, even though I, I heard internship loud and clear. Um, most of our audience are probably not quite there yet. So, think about your 16 year old self. What would you tell 16 year old Davis, you know, hey, bud, um, keep doing this? stop doing that, you know, it maybe start doing whatever other activity to get you in a better spot to where you're going to be now. Yeah. Great question. Um, if, yeah, if I was, could you go back to myself, you know, if you're thinking about, um, college, 
as something you want to pursue, um, you need to find ways to challenge yourself because college isn't easy. Uh, you know, culturally, it can sometimes seems like it's like a big party, um, but it is hard. And a lot of people struggle in that first year. So um, I think one of the things that helped me is that I uh, did some jobs when I was 16 that were really difficult. Um, I did construction and it was honestly terrible. <laughs> um, it was hard. It was hot. It was in Florida and it grinded me out, but it, it, it kind of built some resilience in me. Um, I, I, I just tried to find ways that, um, that were going to push me. That's always something, even, even as a, as an adult right now, I'm, I'm always motivated to, to kind of find ways to push myself. So, um, I think that's a big thing when you're 16 is like, how, how can you find ways to, to push yourself, to grow yourself, whether it's job related, you know, social related, anything, um, that will prove you well when you get to college. And I think the other thing too, um, that, that really helped me out when I was 16 is that I had a good group of friends, a core group that, um, had their head on straight. And of course, uh, in high school, socially, you know, you're interacting with tons of people. And I had a lot of friends that were definitely finding their way at 16 and they continued to find their way through college. And, and look, everybody's past different. But I think there's an old saying that, that you, you're, be, you're, you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. And so lucky for me, the five, the five people outside of my family that I hung out with also were a little bit wired like I was, that they wanted to push themselves. We had same, some of the same hobbies. We looked after each other and um, we, we leaned on each other to make sure that we were making good decisions as much as we could. Again, when you're 16, you're never going to be perfect. It's hard. Uh, being a teenager is especially hard now with social media. These are just things that we didn't have. I can't even imagine being in high school with a cell phone constantly being in my pocket. So um, I don't envy uh, the situation kids are in now, but uh, again, who you surround yourself is a huge, huge deal beyond your beyond your immediate family, and and really think about who those folks are and the impact and influence that you have on them, and vice versa. Um, because when high school ends and people go their separate ways, most of those friendships, if they were, if there wasn't much substance, they'll end pretty quickly, and you you start to see kind of who your real friends were coming out of high school. And lucky for me, most of the folks that I hung out with have been strong uh, friends, even, even throughout most of my adulthood, uh, which has been great, especially as we have kids and families. So um, that's definitely something that um, regardless of what you do in your career, you know, having a solid set of folks around you, is going to be really, really important for, for just general success. And I think happiness in life. Well, Davis, this has been phenomenal. We really appreciate you being on a real piece of work, the job podcast for young people. It's been great. And, uh, Thank you so much. Davis, I just have two last things, although I feel like with all the notes I've got, I could go on for another hour. But the first one is my younger son, who is uh, now almost 11, as we were chatting. We kind of chuckled because he has a question for you that I'm pretty certain you can't answer. And if you could, you wouldn't answer on the podcast. <laughs> but his question was, do you think that he would tell us what the secret recipe is oh, man. for the chicken? <laughs> Well, I actually appreciate that question because normally when I tell people, and this is, I'm kind of uh, pushing this on my family right now. Normally when I tell people I work at Chick-fil-A, they think I immediately work in uh, real estate or menu development because they want to know when some item is going to be available and they want to know why Chick-fil-A doesn't exist here. This is a new question. I don't know that answer, but I will tell you if any listener is ever in Atlanta 
um, and they ever want to get a tour of our corporate office, which is an incredible place. It's very close to the, the airport. Um, we have uh, we do a tour for customers and they get to see Truett's office. Um, Tru, uh, Kathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A and his office is basically untouched. Uh, he passed away in 2016. And there is a vault that apparently has the recipe wow. of uh, some of our secrets. Uh, uh, so um, I can take you to the vault. You could even try to spin it. I'm not sure if it'll open, but I can at least get you there and we'll see what happens. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure he will appreciate that answer. And just before we go to, I wanted to tell you and Chick-fil-A in general, uh, Junior Achievement, you do so many things for us and for other organizations as well. I know that you know, there's many times we have a golf outing or things like that. And, and we rely, not rely on you, but we come to you and, and never let us down and, you know, helping us with our, our programs and supporting the kids too. So thank you to you and to Chick-fil-A for, for that support as well. Well, thank you for that. And that's a huge shout out to our, our Quad City Chick-fil-A restaurants and operators. Those operators are the ones that step up for y'all. Their team members are great. And they honestly, what they are ultimately the secret sauce for Chick-fil-A. Um, the way that they care for customers, the way that they care for their community. Without them, I would not have a job at the corporate level. So shout out to them. And um, yeah, thank you for that, Joy. Thanks a lot, Davis. Really appreciate you having, having you on the podcast today. Well, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. So Matt, I have to say, you continue to bring these podcasts guests to a real piece of work. And every single time we come into these, I think, as a parent, what would I want my sons to to kind of tune into and listen? And this one really hit home because of just Chick-fil-A and, and the relevancy to us going often to it. But um, I think his parenting tips for me today were honestly, it, it's, it's what sunk in. It's what gathered me and made me realize that what I'm doing now for my boys is just as important uh, to their career paths and what they're doing, what I say, what I bring to them, what I, you know, he said they never pushed him. They just they supported him in his passion. So as a parent, I'm listening into those things too today um, and just trying to, to connect in general. So yeah, that's you, it's more it, of a business aspect. And, you know, I, I, the leadership stuff really spoke to me too, you know, the cross-functional experiences and then having that leadership development, you know, you, looking for a company that does, does those sort of things. You don't know that, or those, those aren't questions that I have asked in the past for myself going into jobs. And I think, you know, listening into these and, and encouraging my son as their sons as they're starting to do it too, to, to think about those types of things that he brought up. Cause they're, they're not generally things I would bring to the table. So. Yeah. It's, it's funny when I was trying to reflect on this one, um, some things that jumped out to me was that rotation he did have when he was at GE, which is phenomenal to have that cross department, almost a miniature internship type experience as an employee that forced him to rotate around so he could really find a place that he felt was appropriate for him to dedicate himself and focus on professionally. Uh, that stuck out. It stuck out that he mentioned that working in construction when he was in high school uh, was what motivated him to maybe think about the technology space and something other than swinging a hammer, which uh, ironically is what helped me pay for my college, you know, was being in construction. Um, and it was, was a good motivator and it really uh, made me appreciate the world that I do continue to play in full time, which is construction. Um, but yeah, that uh, the final comment you just had about parenting. Um, and I guess part of the reason why this podcast exists is to at least be one more avenue that students can be exposed to something, even if, even if the means aren't there to potentially have the parents financially or other, 
support that child on their own to get to the next step. So um, I'd like to think again that this is a reminder to anybody, no matter what your financial means are, um, ask for help, um, seek out others that might be able to get you somewhere um, that inspires you um, to learn about something that hopefully will make you happy every day that you wake up. And so another great, great podcast and uh, put a smile on my face listening to this and hearing your, your passion, your voice passion for Chick-fil-A. So it makes my mouth water a little bit. Pretty sure I know where we're going for dinner tonight, Matt. Absolutely. Well, always a pleasure. Looking forward to the next one, Joy. Thanks, Matt. Bye-bye.